0: This morning's scripture is from the Gospel of John. Just prior to the section that I'm about to read, Jesus has fed a hungry crowd. It's the story of the loaves and the fishes. And then the crowd follows Jesus across the Sea of Galilee from the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I assure you that you were looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate all the food you wanted. Do not work for the food that doesn't last, but for the food that endures for eternal life. And they asked him, what must we do in order to accomplish what God requires? And Jesus replied, this is what God requires, that you believe in the one whom God has sent. They asked, what what miraculous signs will you do that we can see and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, just as, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus told them, I assure you, it wasn't Moses who gave the bread from heaven to you, but God gives you the true bread from heaven. The bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said, please give us this bread. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This ends the reading from the Gospel of John. May these words which once transformed the disciples' hearts transform our hearts as well. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be offered humbly and faithfully. Amen. A pastor tells of the time a salesperson came to his office selling Bible games for youth groups. The the top-of-the-line game was called Dollars and Cents, and it was a board game much like Monopoly or the Game of Life. The salesperson claimed the game was great for teaching children and youth about Christian economics. And the game went something like this. You, of course, roll the dice, and then you might land on a square that is labeled nurse, and you receive a certain amount as a salary every time you go around. Or you might roll the dice and land on the square teacher, and then you receive a different salary. Or or if the dice fall just right, you reap the windfall and land on the square called CEO. Now, regardless of the amount received, and here's the perceived lesson, "'Regardless of the compensation, if you place a generous sum in the center square called church, you then become eligible to roll the dice one more time, and you try to land on the square called the Shower of Blessings.'" The pastor was unimpressed with the game. "'I think,' he said to the salesperson, This is a pretty crass lesson to teach young people. I mean, not the part about sharing their gifts. That's fine, of course, and important. But I believe it's crass because it's dangerous to teach them that a blessing is like a jackpot or that a blessing can be bought. Well, the salesperson replied, that is how the world works. I think the pastor's issues and challenges with the game are right on. Because too often, I think we find ourselves guilty of confusing a blessing with a jackpot, a windfall. We know there's a difference. A blessing is a sign of grace. It's a gift that deepens and enriches our lives. But a jackpot, that's just pure luck. It's a roll of the dice. It's One, two, seven, nine, three. Just the right numbers in the lotto. But I know, I get it. We sometimes can't tell the difference whether our heart is hungering for a blessing from God or whether our minds are dreaming of a jackpot. I mean, consider the crowd in this morning's scripture reading from the Gospel of John. They had just been fed by Jesus and they follow him across the Sea of Galilee to Capernaum. And of course, we think they just long to be closer to Jesus, to deepen their spiritual connection to God. In short, they seem to hunger for his blessing. Maybe. Jesus' response to the crowd that has followed him indicates he wonders if there might be a different reason behind their actions. And he says, you're not looking for me because of any signs of God. You're looking for me because I fed you. In other words, maybe they weren't in search of a blessing, but rather in search of another banquet, another jackpot. Maybe that board game was spot on. But I really do want to tread lightly here. I mean, the story is not as simplistic as it seems. It's not a crass account of opportunistic people trying to jump on God's gravy train. This isn't a crowd that follows Jesus simply for the potluck suppers or to build a network of business connections. I mean, they're not like the person who left our church in 1947. This is honest to goodness, the truth. Our archives record it. This member left our church in 1947 because the congregation wouldn't buy its heating oil from him, but rather was buying it from a competitor. So a word of caution here. Apparently, friends, we keep track of such things. Now, I imagine that the biblical crowd believes that it is following Jesus for the right and good reasons. And yet it sounds as if Jesus is a bit troubled and wonders if the crowd appears to follow him on their terms with their needs and their wants. Perhaps they were seeking a better life in Christ and not simply a better lifestyle. And the difference between a new life in Christ and a better lifestyle might very well be the difference between seeking a blessing And chasing a jackpot. A friend of mine, when she was a young pastor, writes of the time that she decided to, after having finally saved a few dollars, that she might invest in the stock market. And being a novice, she simply walked into a brokerage off the street, and the receptionist was correct and quickly sized her up as a small investor and passed her along to the newest and greenest broker in the office. And my friend said that she could almost see this young broker turn pale when he had asked the question, what do you do? Sort of hoping that maybe she was a young lawyer or a young dentist. And when she said, I'm a minister, he seemed crestfallen. But trying to make small talk, the broker said, I am I read the Bible whenever the market goes down. Well, there have been some weeks and months, of course, that must have been deeply spiritual for that broker. But there it is, right? Sort of confusing seeking a blessing with the chasing of a jackpot. I mean, you and I, I think, often might do the same thing if we assume that God's role is to Make the life we have planned come true. Too often over many years I have found myself praying some form of, Oh God, I have these plans. Make them work. But that's not seeking a blessing. That's praying for a jackpot. But at the end of the story, and there is hope here, In the end of the story in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I don't give you food that perishes, I don't give you riches or ambitions or jackpots. Instead, I give you the food that endures forever, which is the blessing of God's hope. When we come to this table, Jesus doesn't nourish our lifestyles or fulfill our plans. But rather, at this table, Jesus gives us new life, new life in hope and in forgiveness. I mean, we know it's a fact, right? We can survive days without food, but I don't think we can survive one hour without hope. Hope is the blessing that nourishes us tomorrow and tomorrow and the tomorrow after that. So this day, come to this table of hope.